What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by Fightful's Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm well, Chase. How are you doing, man? Not, not too bad, sir. Not too bad, sir. Um. What uh, what have you found yourself reading and watching over the last week, Jeremy? Dude, all I do is read and watch wrestling, Chase. You, is that all you, you gotta, do? Well, your yeah, co-host the, on uh, The Distraction does not <laughs> do any of those things. No, he doesn't. That's why I got to do it all because he doesn't <laughs> do anything. It just comes in there. I throw it to him. He makes a couple jokes, and then I got to carry the show. Everyone who's seen it knows it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, what have the ratings been like since Robert O'Neill made his appearance? On oh, the, the rating. The business is booming mm. for the distraction with, with O'Neill. We were actually talking about it uh, off air one week. And Joseph said, you had him on the podcast. And he's like, I, Chase Thomas, I thought this was a big deal. And it is. But then I see O'Neill's been on the show. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> How's O'Neill getting on the show before me? <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, y'all are all welcome. It's like a we, it, we'll have the rotation. It's like the Chase Thomas podcast family. I feel partially responsible for Robert O'Neill getting on your podcast. Honestly, oh, he should be you, sending me royalties for the platform. Do you want Do you want credit for that though? Really, <laughs> that you put Robert O'Neill over? Does anybody really want credit for that? Um. All right. I just I'm angling for that <laughs> online Booker of the Year. I'm angling. I'm coming after Tony. I'm coming fair, for fair online enough. Booker of the Year. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is great. I, I'm excited. And it's just, uh, I like when worlds collide, if you will. That's very pro wrestling. And we're just building factions. We're faction forming. And I will go to my grave saying that the best thing about pro wrestling is factions. That is, There is nothing better than a good faction. That is why I got into pro wrestling. The Hurt Business. Saving the business one uh, one week at a time. And you're you're loving AEW right now. That's all they have is factions. Oh, we're going to talk about that. We're, we're <laughs> going to talk about that. Um, well, don't forget, folks, you can listen to Jeremy on The Distraction. What When can they listen to that? Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. And we can also check out your work at Fightful.com. So if you're not a Fightful subscriber through their patreon go ahead and do that today you can also go to patreon.com slash chase thomas writer where you can support my show and also if you're an apple podcast listener if you're listening on your iphone right now take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review it helps go to chase thomas podcast.com to learn more about the show and all my writing um so we're going to talk about a variety of things today jeremy um New factions, as you alluded to at the start here in AEW, a big one formed to close this week's episode of Dynamite. Um, we got some new faces appearing on AEW Dynamite this week. Um, I have questions about who Bobby Lashley um, should be facing at WrestleMania this year. Kurt Angle with some interesting uh, things about AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels I want to pick your brain about. And then NXT with the women's tag team titles coming about along with Cross versus Balor being set up um first first things first though AEW what did you make 
of the new faction that formed to close last night's episode. Did you see it coming? Uh, I did not. I mean, I knew they would have somebody with with Spears and FTR because the those three, bless them, like there there's no main event player in there. FTR, one of the best tag teams in the world. Spears, uh, in Cody's words, solid hand, but there mm-hmm. there's no main event player there. So you knew they were going to add a main event player to that little group there. I did not think it was going to be MJF. I thought MJF works well enough on his own and with a bodyguard like Wardlow to where he just didn't need that kind of faction. So I did not see that coming uh, with with him joining them, but I love it. I think it's great, and I think they're going to knock it out of the park. It is interesting because the the Ric Flair comparisons have been common for MJF, right? And now you have the Four Horsemen being set up. Because, like, I think for uh, like i don't even know how long ago this was where we just assumed when cody was a heel that it was going to be or he was going to turn heel to form this exact faction and obviously that's not the way they went and they're like what if we made cody road john cena so (laughs) that uh they've pivoted a little bit um i don't know i think it's interesting i think mjf working with this group is good i also just think mjf was just incredible to close this episode like the fake crying and the just his mic work is second to none i thought sammy coming back and that all made sense and i i like that mjf still is always a step ahead like i like that his character is always ahead of the curve no matter how much it looks like he's about to get his comeuppance he never does i i really do enjoy that um i don't know i think this is going to be a fun thing and also factions are good I, i i'm excited for factions and faction mania jeremy i i love like you mentioned that you love factions i i may have undersold that i love factions as well um like when i when i do tw series i just gotta throw everybody in in just a faction and groups and Mm. stuff because when i would book like 1985 i would do like the horseman stuff like reboots and i would just put everybody in a group i did a tna save uh, it was when like Hogan and Sting and Foley and everybody was there. And so I just created like fashion centered around those guys. And AEW kind of does something similar where they have like the legends and then they build the new stars around the legends. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of fashions because you can do so much with that stuff. And that's how New Japan survives as well. Like everybody's part of a group. Yeah. Groups are good. Do it. It's easy. It's fun. I like groups. Um what uh what did you make of this show as a whole though outside of the main event and the angle that closed it what did uh what did you think of the fallout of revolution did you like the explanation in aw just going the route of we're gonna make fun of ourselves at what ended and also just the the explanation from don Callis as to um embarrassing uh eddie kingston and john moxley being the ultimate plan here the win-win if you will I liked I liked the Moxley and Kingston segment. I thought the Callus and Omega segment was just a little too much. Mm. Uh, even Kenny looked like he was a little frustrated and uh, almost bored by Callus's explanation. So I didn't care too much. Like it was a little too on the jokey side mm. for me. I get making fun of uh, yourself and everything, but I just didn't think that did them any favors. And it was a tough situation. But I thought Moxley and Kingston handled it enough or handled it so well that you didn't need callus to go as over the top as he did obviously they need to explain what went wrong on their end but i thought it was just a little too overcompensating well i i just think it went too long like i think that would have been fine it just if i went back and watched it and did a timer i it felt like it went 10 minutes um his explainer where callus can talk and callus is good at talking like he is a very good talker and i think it's good having him as the mouthpiece for mouthpiece for kenny um but 
you know, like you said, I think it just went too long. Kenny was getting bored and um, it got to the point where, well, I also think it kind of picked up when Kingston came out and him going after Kingston and saying he's always come so close, but he gets in his own way and then he falls short. I thought that was a really good way of setting up um, the Kingston Moxley beat down after and everything with that. I don't really know where we're going and I'm kind of surprised. Maybe I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but I wonder how much juice is left in Moxley Omega at this point um now that it moxie lost again um and just that ending do you really want to go to that well one more time but then you look at what finished that angle which was you know christian cage he's here yeah. it's christian um don't like the online response to christian appearing on aw and people being upset like i i think people i i don't know what wrestling fans expectations are all the time and it's very frustrating where it's like why would you just intentionally sabotage your enjoyment of a show because you're like i have person x in my mind for being the the legend that paul white's bringing in or whatever and then it not being my guy so i'm mad now instead of just being like well this person's awesome and you were excited when they were in the rumble but you're not excited about them being in a w because you had a different person in mind you wanted cm punk or whoever it's like, I, I don't understand this line of thinking at all, but I'm also just a, a lifelong Christian Mark, and I think he's great. Um, I thought he was going to shake hands with Kenny to close the segment. I thought that that would actually make sense to do a little turn there and have him have some edge and work with Kenny, because right now he's just bland babyface. His shirt literally just says, work harder than everyone. His character is just work hard, <laughs> which, okay, sure. Um, I don't know. I think this is interesting, but I also think there's... They need some kind of foil between, like, Kenny Omega's next big feud and what he's coming off with Moxley. And I think Christian actually makes sense as a perfect guy to fall and have a good match with Kenny at an upcoming pay-per-view and uh, move on from there. Like, he's not ever going to get the AEW world title, but he is a good veteran hand, right? I'm not so sure that he's not going to get the title here. Uh, they Like, they love... They love Christian. I think that's why they're putting him in this spot because, you know, he could easily come in and and do like a nice little television match against some some former WWE guys or something, or, or do do a feud against somebody like Cody because like Cody's feuding with with Pentagon right mm. now, which is fine, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of juice on on Pentagon, and it's at least something that you would expect for Cody or Archer. Like Archer's feuding. Was staying. It's Christian could easily fit into that spot, but they clearly see him as a main event player. So they're mm-hmm. they're having him go after Omega right away. Uh, to to circle back real quickly, I'm with you on the expectations thing. Like when they, I think they almost did themselves a disservice, and yeah. it's not totally their fault because fans are going to create their own expectations and that's the fans fault like they said a hall of fame worthy guy and like christian is hall of fame worthy i don't know who's debating that yeah uh but christian even said it on renee's podcast like i didn't know they're going to tease it i thought it was just going to show up and that was going to be that and like if christian just shows up it's a much bigger deal because people there's there's no expectation Mm. of him being there people are like wait a second the last time we saw this guy he was final four in the rumble. We all thought he was going to remain in WWE working part-time or as a producer or something. And now he's in AEW. What? Like by the time we got to Sunday, all the smoke was around Christian to where if you were looking closely enough, you could kind of tell it was him. And yeah, fans were just immediately disappointed. It's like, Oh, it's not punk. It's not Brock. Like if those are your expectations, yeah, you only have yourself to blame because Christian is a great 
great get for AEW, not only because, I mean, he's universally praised by by anyone and everyone in the business, but again, he was he was Final Four in the Rumble like six weeks ago. Like It looked like he was going to have a big program at Mania. I thought he was going to work with AJ at Mania. People were, people were talking about, oh man, Edge and Christian against the Usos leading up to Mania. Like This is what people were, were fantasy booking here, and now he's in, he's in AEW. And I don't get people that are mad, but are like, oh, Edge and Roman is great. Christian's better than Edge. Christian should be in the spot over Edge at Mania. They just like Edge more because they've just always seen Edge as that guy over Christian. I think Christian's better. Ooh. I... I'd have to really think about that because I... Is that hot? Is that a hot take, Chase? No, I don't think it's a hot take. (laughs) I just think I have always loved both of their work. And I also just think they're very different. Um... I don't know. I think it's probably the size with Edge. I I think Edge as Rated R Superstar was just a better character than Christian was. Like Captain Charisma, I love, but it's just I think the size difference between them, especially when Christian was coming up on Raw, when he had that moment before the draft and everything, when he moved to SmackDown, which was like 16 years ago, it seems like now, because I think that was what oh five oh six when yeah. Tomko and he was at that level at that point. That was the closest he ever got when on Raw during that time period before he made the move. Um, to SmackDown uh, that he was getting over. And then obviously in TNA, he got his opportunity as Christian Cage and was on top and he had just all time great matches and he was great. Um, I think there's just something less bland about edge for the higher ups. Like edge just has something else. And I think edge is also just a better bad guy, like edge spearing. Um, who was that to close? Oh, RVD with the, the biker helmet. Uh, yeah, one, like yeah. years ago like that is just the kind of stuff that edge is really good at and the facial expressions he made and just how good of a bad guy he was and how easy it was for him to turn over into a baby face i don't know i just think he's better on that front but if i had to pick a match i would rather watch a christian match than edge but i think character wise i would pick edge so i don't know i go back and forth depends on what you want I just prefer Christian altogether. Mm. I think, and this is no knock on Edge. I do think he he is good, and I agree with you. Like some of his character work is uh, better than Christian's, but on the whole, I would take Christian. I think if Christian got similar opportunities mm. to to Edge, then we would we would definitely see him in a different light. They they just never saw it with yeah. Christian. They just never saw it. No. So it's good that he's in a place where they can appreciate it more, which is good. I want uh, good things for Christian. And I'm interested to see how long he, he keeps this going and what the, the long-term plan is there. Um, Jackson versus Phoenix. I thought this was an absolute banger. They got a lot of time. I loved a lot of the spots in this match. The slaps, I can I can do without. But <laughs> like the Matt counter powerbomb off the top rope to Felix Phoenix's knee problem to the double destroyer like i love the double destroyer spot where he's like all right let's do another one on the apron uh, for matt jackson um i don't know I, I love the surge of super kicks to end this match this was good but i was also kind of surprised that they had phoenix just go over clean here in the middle of the ring i mean this is what aw does really well where they have decisive victories which i wish another company would uh lean into a lot more just here's a good long match between two good people and here's a winner and here is a loser and it matters uh, but there's another company that just uh, does not like doing that because they're like, you know, what if we did this four times this month? What if what if we ran this back? Um, what did you make of this? And do you think uh, Phoenix and Pac have a really good chance of being the ones to dethrone the Young Bucks? 
I, I thought this was a great match, and I thought, like, I actually thought they left, as great as it was, they even left a little on the bone because mm. they're going to have this tag match at some point. And I imagine it's going to headline Dynamite, um, one of the specials. So I, I look forward to the tag team match. I'm with you on, typically I don't like champions losing, even if it's tag team champions in a singles match. I just don't like if you're going to beat your champions. The thing that AEW does well and what they did well here is... It was competitive, and the babyface, in this case the Young Bucks, didn't look stupid. Like, he just got beat by by a better guy. Like yeah. what WWE will do is a distraction finish, roll up, and then like no one really gets over right. from that. You can you can explain this as okay, uh, the Phoenix went through a battle royal, but like that battle royal is nothing compared to the tag team match that uh, the Young Bucks were coming off with with Jericho and MJF and the big blood feud that that they just had where. By contrast, Phoenix and Pac haven't like done too too much on Dynamite recently outside of like some multi-man tags and stuff. So you can explain that the the cumulative wear and tear kind of caught up to uh, Matt Jackson here, and that's why he lost instead of he just looked like an idiot because somebody's entrance music played and he got rolled up at the end. Um, I, I still don't want them to make a habit of just like beating champions like that. But I thought the match was great. I really look forward to this tag team match when, when previewing the show, uh, you know, there was a lot of different ways they could go with, uh, the tag team match, uh, the, with young bucks and Jericho and MJF. But I figured if the young bucks were going to retain, Pack and Phoenix made the most sense to win the Battle Royal, mainly because they they just looked at it as like, we can just throw this in a main event of Dynamite, give it like 25 minutes, and everybody's going to just universally praise it. Absolutely. Um, something that was not universally play, praised, uh, Jeremy. Ethan Page's debut, <laughs> all-ego Ethan Page. Um, I have a lot of questions about this. The Lee Johnson stuff, like he's good and he's talented, but this match just didn't hit. And I don't understand how they're just what they're doing with Ethan Page. I would have thought they would have had more of a plan here to integrate him into the roster and the storylines. But um, I don't know. This was strange. This felt like an AEW dark match where it's like this dude's not ready, but he's a good signing. And then the music. What is that? What was the music <laughs> during out during this entire match? What was that? It was a basketball game. A basketball game had been had broken out in the middle of this match, and then Ain't No Mountain, uh, yes, started playing as well. Uh, I mean, I can't. It's not AEW's fault that TNT had these audio issues. Uh, TNT so it was an audio be. issue. This was not like yeah. a Ethan Page part of his character. He's going to be working <laughs> with music in the background. If it is, I mean, that's a tremendous uh, pivot for, for Ethan Ethan Page. Now, it was, from what Tony Khan said, it was a TNT audio issue. They uploaded the match on, on YouTube, so maybe it comes off better uh, on YouTube without all of those issues because it was very distracting for this match. And I felt bad for Ethan Page because this is his big Dynamite debut and all anyone's going to remember is all the audio issues with mm. it. I'm I'm kind of with you on Ethan Page. Like, I, I think he's great. I think he can do a variety of things I in AEW. Uh, the the issue, and this is not an Ethan Page issue. This is almost an AEW issue. Is like they have so many guys, and you're trying to fit all these guys on a two hour show, and like people just they're gonna get left off. They're gonna get lost in the shuffle, and like the things they do with the people who are on television is typically very good. The problem is like 
you're you're just gonna have guys that are left off. Like look what Miro's been doing. Miro's been doing the same feud since he he debuted in what like September. Yeah. I feel like he's been feuding with the best friends ever since September. And now they're gonna do an arcade match, which you know it, it might be great, but it's like they've had Miro this whole time, and people are like, oh man, Miro's gonna come in and just and just be great. And it's like he's an afterthought almost because they just have so many guys. And now Ethan Page is there as well. And at some point he might succeed, but at some point also like they're gonna seems like they're gonna get more guys. And we just it's tough. It's tough when you have this many talented people and you only have a two hour show to to get them on. And maybe the the, the third hour, uh, whatever that's gonna be, will help with this. But there's a real good chance Ethan Page just kind of gets lost in this shuffle. And if he doesn't, then somebody else might get lost in the shuffle that people are gonna be like, oh man, you're not using this guy. Like what's happening here? Yeah, I, I'm i happy for him. I've enjoyed his work on Impact over the years. I think he's, like, the fact that he rebuilt his body the way he did and just his character work, his mic work, like, he has sky's limit potential. Um, but like you said, it's just they have so many guys now where I feel kind of, um, I don't know, I, I go back and forth on this, but, like, when I think about where the landscape is pro wrestling-wise and where people are, I'm like, Trey Miguel made a great decision to stay back in impact where he's like, I'm still young. I can I, like my guys left and now I'm just going to be uh, positioned as a top guy in this company. And I can do this for a couple years because Paige is still only 31. Um, he's sneaky young and he still has a, like a lot of stuff, but then he's like, maybe Josh Alexander, he, he has impact and I have AEW and this is just a big opportunity. I'm sure it's really good money and all that kind of stuff. Then I think about NXT could have used Paige more right now than AEW, I think. And that was something I wrote down where I'm like, you look at where AEW or NXT is, and NXT, I think they have that mandate, right, internally of, like, no more older guys to NXT. Uh, we need to have younger talent come in. And he's someone that would actually rejuvenate a lot of uh, the main event scene, um, where it just seems like it's the same people now. Cole, Balor, Dunn um cross it's just uh they need some fresh faces and i was like man page would have actually gotten a much bigger platform and had more to do on nxt than he would have on aw is that fair uh he definitely could have helped nxt but there that's another company it's like they have so many guys that could just get lost in the shuffle like they they just signed i i mean i guess Eli Drake, LA Knight's gonna finally do his debut, but like he just signed. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do something from him. They signed so many independent talent that they're they haven't really found a spot for it yet. Like it took them forever just to use Malcolm Bivens. Karen Cross is, is back in the mix now. So NXT, that's another pro- they have the same issue, I think, is there's just a lot of guys who probably deserve an opportunity and you just don't know when they're going to get that opportunity. I do think Ethan Page would have freshened up things up a little bit because, yeah, NXT, I I love Johnny Gargano. I think he's doing great as a heel. I, I love Undisputed Era. You can only, like, go to the well so many times with these guys. Like, they should probably be cycled into the main roster at some point, and I just don't know if they're going to because they love NXT so much. Yeah. Um, the cycling would be good, and I think it's okay. Like, I think it's actually good, like, to cycle some people in and out and – uh, not look at it as a development thing and just let them rejuvenate their career and try new stuff. Like I don't, nothing was hurt by moving Fandango and Tyler Breeze to NXT. Things only got better. And I think that the more they work towards that, the better the company as a whole will be. Um, speaking of the other company, WWE, um, Kurt Angle has a new show 
and this was a uh, a portion of this quote that I thought was interesting because AJ, I think back because I think Shawn Michaels was my favorite growing up, and I've always thought that Shawn Michaels was the most complete wrestler of the last like I mean I'm I turn 30 next month and I I was thinking about like who's the most complete wrestler I've seen in my lifetime and I think it's Shawn Michaels and I think about it now and I'm like I think AJ Styles really is the most complete now and look I love CM Punk loved him during that time period I was big edge guy Christian guy but like CM Punk's in-ring work was never all the way there for me I can't say I always loved watching CM Punk wrestle then Daniel Bryan is in that conversation but um I don't know. I think about it and I'm like, AJ, I think I've enjoyed watching just his character, like what he's figured out character wise and on the mic. He's come so far since the, um, the days where he was with the, <laughs> what the sense of anarchy stuff theme and, uh, just the, the, was it Karen Lynch? What was that? On uh, what was Claire that? Lynch. Claire, Claire Lynch. Lynch. Yeah. Which feels like forever ago. Like, his character work and his promos back then were just so bad, and where he is now is night and day, and he's just so good playing the babyface, he's so good playing the heel, He is his run on SmackDown a couple years ago was so perfect, and I don't know, I think he's going to be looked at as just like, what were they thinking, just not letting him have the ball and run with it, even on Raw, so like, just like, this dude is just the ultimate pro wrestler, like, he's everything, and that's kind of like what Shawn Michaels was, so I think it's interesting that Kurt Angle said, Quote, I think AJ and Sean both deserve the top honors for being two of the best of all time. AJ, what he was able to do- produce in TNA and what he's a- been able to produce in WWE gives him the right to uh, be up there. The thing is, working both of them, and it doesn't matter how many times I work with them, they made you look better than you are. When you wrestled them, you had the night off. If you wanted to work extra hard, you could work extra hard, but they did everything for you. AJ and Sean just had a great psychology, and they were incredible athletes. They laid it out in the ring every single time. They were two of the best I've ever wrestled. Uh, I think there's a lot to chew on there, but I think the most important part is that, like, he was just like, yeah, if you wanted the night off, you wrestled them. And this is something that I thought about a lot of, just, like, Raw is so stale, and they need top stars. The way to do that is just let AJ work with the young guy that you like. Let AJ have the program, the main event program, with the person that you want to get over, because... AJ makes everybody look better, kind of like what Cena was doing for a while. Um, I don't understand it. I thought Shawn was amazing during his time, and I miss watching Shawn Michaels be awesome. Um, And I'm going to miss AJ when it wraps up here in the next couple years. What do you make of Angle's comments? Uh, I mean, Angle's worked very well with both of them. I I, I actually really enjoy Angle's podcast. I was listening to Mm. the one where he talked about the Shawn Michaels match and just how how comfortable he was and how Shawn just kind of let him do what he he wanted in that match. And, you know, Shawn was obviously going to do his part. And Angle has big history with AJ and TNA and everything. It's tough to disagree with Kurt Angle. I, I think AJ is... I think he's top five. He's certainly top five right now. He's very close to top five all time. I was a, a Shawn Michaels guy growing up. I kind of became a Bret Hart guy later on. And I, I'm always a Daniel Bryan over an AJ Styles uh, guy mm. as well. But when you're talking about like full on character, like full on performance, not just character, but like uh, charisma, out of ring, uh, personality mixed with in ring and everything. Like it's tough to argue with Sean and, and AJ and AJ was always knocked for his personality. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, he gets into new Japan and then WWE and like, he's doing the best character work of his career. Yeah. So I, I, 
I love Shawn Michaels. I love AJ Styles as performers. And so it's tough to disagree with Kurt Angle, who has been in the ring with both of them a lot. I will always lean towards Daniel Bryan and Bret Hart, though, at least when it comes to in-ring. And I think with personality-wise, I will still lean towards Bryan over AJ because I kind of like the sort of underdog personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he's a little bit more relatable to me than AJ Styles. That's fair. I mean, Brian's a really good answer here, and I I think Brian might be in that. Like it, it's probably a mixture of Brian, HBK, AJ. I mean, we have to throw Kenny in here too. I think when I I don't think Kurt and Kenny ever fought. Did they? Did they ever wrestle? I don't think so. I don't know no. when they would have potentially no, wrestled. Unfortunately, because that would have been good back in the back in the day. And also, I think. Kurt Angle versus HBK at WrestleMania 21 might have been my favorite for WrestleMania match ever. I think that might be the one I most enjoyed. It's it's tough to to disagree with that. Like that's one of my favorite matches uh, of all time. I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I probably watched it like a year or two ago. Um, but that that's just a tremendous piece of professional wrestling. I did watch them wrestle live. Mm. Um, on, on an episode of raw and like that was like that was such a great match uh but yeah it, it's tough to there's a lot of good wrestlemania matches i would say that's in the top 10 though for me but it's just amazing too because he could get it out of rick flair he could get it out of kurt angle he could get it out of uh triple h he could get it out of um shelton benjamin he can get it out of whoever it's just like what kurt angle's saying he's just you put this person with anyone, they're going to tear the house down and they're going to do all the work. Like they are going to do the work to make you look good and to make this match good. And that is the, the best compliment I think you can get as a pro wrestler. Um, NXT musings that I wanted to touch on quickly. Finn Balor, you mentioned that they need to start circulating some of these guys out of here. Adam Cole, knock, knock. Um, we're getting carry on cross versus Finn Balor. I, I'm kind of surprised that they're going back to this, but I mean, I guess this is the biggest program you can do going up to WrestleMania. I'm assuming Cross is not losing this match um, when it does happen for the title, but we also had the report that they love Karrion Cross and that he was going to get hot shotted to the main roster. So I was like, well, maybe they'll just keep him away after the injury and they're worried about him getting injured again and having to sit out for a while on him. But it's going to happen. Um, what what do you make of Cross versus Balor and what do you think the future holds for Cross, Balor, and even Adam Cole. I I think it makes sense, Balor and Cross. I wondered like when Cross came back, okay, why is he feuding with like Santos Escobar? Like he lost the title, he had to relinquish it to the shoulder injury. Why isn't he immediately going back after that title? And I guess because Santos Escobar said he's injury prone and a loser, Cross was like, All right, I gotta make you pay for this. And so that makes that makes some sense. But I just felt like I should be going immediately what after after what I didn't lose. And mm-hmm. I actually like I really like Balor's line last night. Like, okay, what took you so long? Like <laughs> you've been back. I've been here. Legit, what took you so long? I thought that was a great line. I think I'm not like super high on carrying cross. I like him. I think mm-hmm. as a like in ring he's fine. Like kind of his character stuff doesn't really like fully hit with me i'm like that entrance is kind of hokey uh for me and i I just don't know much like who the guy is i guess he's 
he's not really a silent killer. I don't know. The character just doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think he's much better on the main roster. I think Vince will absolutely love him and his size and, and the way he works and everything, although maybe he'll send him back to do more big man training. I think Balor <laughs> has been tremendous in NXT. Like, yep. Absolutely tremendous. He's doing stuff that like nobody else is doing on that roster because we're so used to like the 300 finisher kickouts and near falls and things like that. And like there's that in Balor matches, but nothing compared to what, you know, we remember from like the Gargano days and stuff. Like Balor is like beating the shit out of people with like Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly. Like they're beating the hell out of each other and like they're trying to actually it looks like they're trying to hurt each other. And in some instances, like they are actually are hurting each other uh, with the injuries these guys are having. I love Balor in NXT. I think he I think he should stay in NXT. I think Cross should go to the main roster. I've said for a while that um that Undisputed Era should be kind of like main roster bound. And now that they're they've broken up uh, you know, you can't really bring them up as a group. That's what I would have done. I still think Cole should be on the main roster. I very much worry that like his size is just gonna, they're just not going to see much in him. And they're just going to be like, okay, here's another like good wrestler who we can use for, you know, middling matches and not really do anything with. And that, that would be a shame. I think as a group, it would he would have been better off because then you could kind of you could push them more as a group. I don't know if Cole is going to get like this big singles push. Well, you could also just pretend they never broke up. Like that is yeah, true. Thing. There's no like the crossover <laughs> where it's like NXT. I would do that. That's what I would do. I would just pretend NXT is uh, just in a different universe. Like I would hundred percent just pretend it doesn't happen. That nothing on NXT has consequences because like it doesn't. They don't bring up anything on NXT uh, like on Raw. What Keith Lee was doing. Like what do they bring up? What is how is NXT reference on Raw and SmackDown ever? But that is like that's the disconnect with yeah. fans and why fans like don't like that because you see Keith Lee debut and it's like okay he's got new gear he's got new entrance music we kind of just forgot he was this double NXT champion yep. for two weeks and and now he's like off television and stuff it's like this is not the Keith Lee that I fell in love with right. in NXT like like Ricochet I mean how many guys have they called up from NXT and then they've done nothing with them mm -hmm. on the main roster and it's because like the presentation just completely changes like if you bring up undisputed like they did this with Gargano and Ciampa they're in this middle they're kind of in the middle of like a feud and stuff it's like oh we'll bring them up as a tag team and it'll be fine and then, you know, they stuff happened with Ciampa, and so they just went back down and they reignited their whole feud and everything. But it just like that that's why people don't have a lot of faith in these call-ups. Like if they brought up Undisputed Era as Undisputed Era after this big feud uh, between them, people would just be like, what? It, it makes it seem like then NXT just has no consequence, and that doesn't look good for NXT. Well, it doesn't. Like we can go ahead and clear that one up right now, Jeremy. It doesn't. <laughs> You're right. I like I can't even argue that. Like it it really doesn't have much consequence and like that's a shame. It's cuz all these brands should be working together. It should yes. kind of work like a territory system of like all right, this guy's kind of done what he's done what he can here. Let's move them elsewhere. Like it should be a third brand. They want to argue. They want to say like it's a third brand, it's a third brand, it's a third brand. It's not. No. It's not it, it does like you're right. It like exists in its own universe. And what happens doesn't have any consequence on, on Raw and SmackDown. And so it's tough to take the brand serious, which is a shame because on the whole, like I think from, from start to finish, it's kind of it's it's the best brand. Um, but mm. people people are just they're not going to see it that way. 
Right now, it's still SmackDown for me. SmackDown is such an easy and Sma- to watch. Yeah, look, I, I love SmackDown. That's the one show like I'm forced to watch every week uh, doing the post-show podcast. And I do love SmackDown, but like, you take Roman Reigns off that show. Oh, for sure. That changes everything. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot wrong with well, SmackDown. Well, that's like just saying let you take out uh, like Leo DiCaprio from uh, <laughs> Catch Me If You Can and that movie. It just it doesn't work the same. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but he's he's the main event. He's he's why I watch SmackDown for the most part. Like, yeah, Roman Reigns that's is great. Um, that's... Yeah, I don't know. I just think I don't get upset about it. I don't get I, I just I don't care. Like NXT just is a tough watch. You you know the takeovers are going to be great. I enjoy it when I watch it, but I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Like they're doing a unification cruiserweight match with Escobar and Jordan Devin. It seems like a takeover and you're like, what do we even do? Like, why is there still a cruiserweight title? Like, that's got to go. Like, we need to go ahead and get rid of that. When your cruiserweight champion can sometimes be bigger than your NXT champion, like that—that's a problem. But also, just like the way wrestling has progressed, we just don't have a need for cruiserweights anymore. I think it was a good idea to do the CWC and all that kind of stuff. But like, Impact's already moved on from the X division quietly. Like, you have Willie Max. You have, uh, I think Moose has been. Hasn't he been X division champion? I want to say he has. I think so. Yeah. But they've talked about that where they're like, we've expanded it. It's not just like TJP versus whoever. It's like Josh Alexander can get involved in that. Like they, they've evolved that division where it's like guys who used to star in the X division and used to be the the divines of the world and the Alex Shelley's like, no, they can just be world champions now. So wrestling has changed where they're, they have a higher ceiling than just that. So there's just no need to have a cruiserweight anymore. And I think it's just outdated, but that is a conversation, I guess, for another day. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I just think Raw would be so much more beneficial if they, especially if they're being on the same network. There's just so many opportunities there where just, like, highlight these people. Like, why is Keith Lee's NXT record and his t- NXT accomplishments not a part of his entrance? Why are they not referenced? Why do you not do these easy things to reference? Because, like, you did a good job with Keith Lee on NXT. Why would you not highlight the good? Like when you call up Adam Cole, if you ever do, and also we got to get rid of the call up portion portion of it. Like if you move Adam Cole to Raw, you mention what he did. You do the video packages of him in NXT. You do the video packages of all the work he's done, his debut and how he came out and attacked Drew McIntyre, who is your Raw star. You could literally just do that. Just have Adam Cole come out and reference the history of Undisputed Era debuting and attacking McIntyre years ago now. Like, this is all, it's not that complicated. We like to pretend that this is way more complicated than it is. It's not that hard. Tony Khan's an awesome booker, and he, I think, looks at it as, like, a fan of just, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Let's just do that. And I think that's what Raw runs into and Vince runs into. It's just, like, do the obvious good thing, which is reference what you do well, which is NXT, and reference these easy things, and fans will have more to look forward to, and it will just be a better product. There's... There's no consistency or synergy no. with like the the WWE brands. They, and they've they try had to make years. It. Like it's not yeah. like this is a new thing. They've had years to figure this out. Now, it's I, I, yeah. I wrote an article on four one one like many years ago when uh, call ups and stuff were a thing of how like when people from NXT get called up, there what happens in NXT doesn't actually matter on the main roster and again, this is literally like five years or so and like it the same issues still plagued them you're right like usa network 
they have Raw, they have NXT. Why aren't they, they're not working together in that sense, but you can make sense of, oh, okay, this person's going on this brand. I hated, hated the, the women's tag title finish. It's like, why is Adam Pierce coming out here and like interfering in this and like, oh, I got to send a Raw official to be in here. Like, if they're all the brand and these women's tag team titles can be defended on every single brand, why does Adam Pierce care if a quote unquote NXT team are your WWE women's tag team champions? Why? Why, why does that bother him? Instead, he should be like, yeah, cool. NXT, like, come here and you, we can highlight you a little bit. And, you know, we'll see if our teams are, are better than this NXT team. Like the, the the whole idea of brand warfare that they only promote once once a year, like any other time they just forget about it. It's it's dumb to me. It could it could theoretically make a lot of sense, but they never do it. And so because they only do it the once a year, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess these brands kind of hate each other. But why do they actually hate each other? Like, why? Why? Adam Pierce is also running SmackDown. So does he really care if if Raw is better than SmackDown or SmackDown's better? Like he he's running both brands. They could do a lot with this. They just choose not to. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. No. And I don't think they will. I really don't. This is why I just don't uh, I don't get emotionally invested. Where I'm like, no, they're not going to do it until they give yeah. me a reason. It's like Kansas football. This is how we'll wrap up here, Jeremy. <laughs> like, people are like, oh, who, what if they get uh, Jeff Mockin or Willie Fritz from Tulane? What if they do? No. We have decades now of data telling us they're going to make the wrong AD hire. They're going to make the wrong coaching hire. The basketball program will always be in trouble with the NCAA. And that's the that's the program. That is that is Kansas. Stop trying to fix Kansas. Kansas is never going to get fixed. It's never going to happen. It hasn't happened in our lifetime. They're never going to have synergy. They're never going to make sense with this stuff because they've never done it. And also, they're making money. Like, that's the <laughs> biggest reason is this company is still making so much money that they yeah. don't have a reason. This is like the content machines where it's like, we don't have to fix any of this. Like that's for the fans. Guess what? Fans are still going to watch and they're going to complain. It's the, the biggest crux of this company is that they don't have a financial motivation to fix these synergy issues. Like it doesn't matter. The plat, the, the raw ratings are not going to shift all that much based on whether or not they, they book it the right way or they reference NXT the right way. The numbers will be basically the same. And that's why they're just like, who cares? Yeah, people people thought when they you know dropped below two million, it was like, oh, we're gonna get changes now. And nope. it's like, oh, then they just signed like a billion dollar deal with Peacock. It's yep. like, okay, well, never mind. So yeah, I, I'm with you. They don't have at least financial incentive to do this. They just have online backlash incentive, and like they're you know the the TV ratings, they'll point to, oh well, people are cutting the cord. Look at the YouTube numbers. Look at the social media trends and stuff. It's like that, you know, the the linear eyeballs that Nick Khan mentioned. It's like you can't just look at the television ratings. You got to look at all this other stuff, and that's what they'll point to. And they'll point to that how much money they're making. And so they're like, yeah, we're just like they're they're an entertainment company they're they're not a wrestling company they're an entertainment company and they're they're scripted television and a lot of scripted television shows just have continuity flaws and yet those 
people people still love those shows because they they give them something to laugh about or it just becomes regular television or people just hate watch or whatever i'm i'm with you i gave up on like emotionally investing in pretty much all of wrestling when i when i started covering it because it just doesn't do anything for you like at this point with wwe you just kind of gotta laugh at it and then move on absolutely well that's how we're we'll end this jeremy i like that we'll laugh about it and we'll move on um thank you so much for the time sir how can we uh just to remind listeners how do we support jeremy lambert and the fightful team uh you can go to fightful.com you can follow me on twitter at jeremy lambert 88 uh i guess the best way to support me is go to twitch.tv slash fightful gaming and you know subscribe follow send bits whatever you can do on twitch i do like i don't know four or five streams a week on that thing and and that's that's directly to me that all that other stuff i don't see any cut of i do all that <laughs> stuff for free chase but the twitch stuff that goes to me so if you if you want to help me out you can go to twitch and you get content out of me whether it's video games that i'm doing or we had luther and serpentico on a stream the other week so we're doing a bunch of just wacky kind of stuff on the twitch and uh the distraction thursdays at 3 p.m on fightful.com all right. Well, go do that. You have that to jump to. So tell old friend Joe, maybe Robert, if he is on the podcast today, too. That I <laughs> Robert got well. fired. We fired him. Well, you know the business changes quickly, <laughs> Jeremy. Fired, unfired. That's the way pro wrestling works. You, you're never fully out of it. You're never fully sure. out of it. Um, don't forget, folks, if you like listening to Jeremy and I talk professional wrestling today, we talk professional wrestling on this podcast every Thursday. And uh, you can support by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving the show a five-star rating and review. We'll read the review on this very podcast when you when you do it. So go do that. Check out ChaseOnsPodcast.com. Follow Jeremy on Fightful, on his Twitch TV, everything like that. Go support Fightful.com if you're not already. And uh, go to ChaseOnsPodcast.com. All right. For that guy. Up there in Ohio, of parts unknown Ohio, Jeremy Lambert for myself down here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got, my friend. Uh, Don't be a stranger, and uh, we will talk again very soon. Yes, thank you, Chase. I always appreciate it. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.